All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Science and Stigma Podcast. Uh, we got my mom here, my brother Dylan, and a reoccurring guest. That would be Sam. How's it going, Sam? It's going. It's going pretty good. Thank pretty you good. for having me again. Yep. yep. It's great. I'm more grateful that you're here with us. Yes. Spend your time here with us. Absolutely. I had fun the last time. So Austin wants to go into his question. <laughs> About divorce and stuff, like this uh, is totally different topic. Sam, Sam's yeah. raising his eyebrows now. It's just like about your vows and stuff. When you say "till death do us apart," what does that exactly mean for the the two individuals that are together or married? So when say one would pass or both of them would pass, what happens to the afterlife? Like, are they no longer together? Till because it says "till death do us apart." Or is that something we really can't answer because we don't know what the afterlife's? I can't really answer that because I don't know what the afterlife is like. I mean, you hear different people talk about it, yeah. But I, I don't, I don't know what happens to a married couple after death. You know, oh. some say nobody's going to know each other. Others saying people are going to know each other. Some people are surprised to see people that made it to heaven. It's all kind of things, you know. And so I, I'm, not, I, I'm not, I don't know. I was just curious. I, I don't know that part. Do you believe if one person passes and they get remarried that that's acceptable? Or do you believe you can only be married one time? I, I believe if a spouse passes that you're free to remarry. So we go to your statement till death do us apart. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm just curious because they passed, but then the guy. People don't think about this. I go back to what Austin's asking. So now you have two wives. The first one's in heaven. The second one passes. Now you have two wives in heaven. So yeah. How does that work? No. <laughs> yeah. It's no, a trio I, or what? I think. Like, <laughs> I think you're free to marry if if your spouse passes. I tell my wife all the time. I say when I die. So you're more than free to remarry. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> she was like, you're enough. <laughs> I said, thanks, babe. Appreciate that. And the kids will still be living with her at home. <laughs> if they're going to 29 nowadays, <laughs> that's a good possibility. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't, wasn't sure about that. I was hey, thinking. Hey, time's still ticking, man. <laughs> yeah. It, it might not stop at 29. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, they're not out yet. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be back in a couple years. It's like, well, you know, they're 35 now. and We'll be moved in here. They almost moved out. <laughs> You'll be about 35 when the housing market straightens out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Waiting yeah. for that. That's crazy. So let's talk about marriage. Because Austin, Dylan, and I have different... Uh, ideas on marriage i put my my belief out there I, I think it's okay to a certain point like if it see i don't know what the bible says or anything about that but my belief is if you if it starts to harm you mentally and even physically i think it's okay to break that that marriage for your own health yeah that's my belief the bible says um adultery adultery and obviously if there's if it any any marriage that cannot be reconciled especially when it comes to physical mental spiritual abuse adultery you know what i mean like if it cannot be reconciled then you know get a divorce but who's the judge and who's to say so i think before we ask these questions we have to 
look at grace. What is grace? Explain. <laughs> <laughs> so God gives us grace. Forgiveness? Forgiveness. God okay. gives us grace. Okay. And, and so when we look at it, we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. Every, every single one of us are sinners. There's, there's, there's no way around that. Like, there's no amount of anything that we can do to, to make ourselves right. We're, we'll never be right. right. But what Christ has done through grace, right? And so we have a profession of faith and through the mercy and grace of God, you know, we have been forgiven of our sins through, through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we have to start there with grace, you know, that God gives us grace. And so when we look at now sins, like, like God, God is very clear that he hates divorce. He's, he's very, very clear. But, but because God instituted a new covenant through Christ with grace, that we can also be forgiven. And so if a marriage is, is, is not reconcilable and, and, and two get divorced, though God does not want it, and when we look at the word covenant, you know I mean? A covenant is something that should never be broken. It permanent. Mm-hmm. God's made covenant in the Old Testament with, with Israel, and now through the new covenant, there's you know, the, the profession of faith in Christ. So if God was a God that broke covenant, then that means our profession of faith in Jesus can be broken by, by God. But, but he doesn't. God doesn't break his covenant with us. And so I, I, I take to heart, you know, what, when I make a covenant. Like I made a covenant to my wife and I told her, I said, you know, you all are going to have to kill me before <laughs> I leave. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I said, so we need to fight, you know, at, at all costs. We need to fight. And, and we do. And, but we, we tend to look at people who are going through a divorce or getting a divorce as, well, they just didn't fight hard enough. It's like, well, how do you know? Nobody knows what's truly going on in a person's marriage. We can, we can speculate, you know, even, even used to being really close to the situation, you still really don't internally know right. exactly what is going through the mind and heart of, of both your mom and dad. But, but again, you know, I mean, it, we have to remember grace. And so when we talk about grace, does it give us, grace doesn't give us permission to keep on sinning, right? So Romans 6 talks about that, that we don't have permission to, to keep on sinning because grace has been given to us, but we also can't, we can't limit, you know, people are, are, are going to have to make a decision and, and then we have to go to the grace of God that, you know, you know, God will, will forgive us. So we don't go into it half-heartedly. It was like, oh, well, God will forgive me. Oh, God will forgive me. No, I mean, if, if you have earnestly sought out and fought and did all that you could to reconcile or make right something and it just isn't working and you don't see any other options but this path then you rely on the grace of god for for forgiveness that makes sense you just can't take advantage of it right right but you can't be divorced it's not like, like a free four pass times. it's not like okay this didn't work out so i'm just gonna move on and well that's what you you asked me that question you said well i brought it up that it's a covenant when you guys were thinking about doing what you're doing and i said that's against God's word. And then you asked me down the road and you said, well, what happens if I do it or something like that? And I said, well, there's forgiveness. God forgives. Yeah. And you and I didn't really agree with divorce. I mean, some of our topics got pretty heated. Some of our conversations got a little bit heated on it. But like Sam said, I didn't, and I even said, I don't know the full situation situation. But I also don't think that you can point the finger at the other person either. Like, I believe, like, in my situation, this is my fault too. And I take 100% blame for it sometimes because I feel like I didn't 
it's a real touchy situation with me. I struggle with this, and we talked about it on a podcast. I have a problem, even for medical reasons, when they ask me if I'm single, married, or divorced. Why do they need to know if I'm divorced? I cannot check that divorced off. I mean, I do because I have to, but that kills me to check that off. And, but it's the truth. And I don't know why doctors, I still don't know why they have to know that you're single, married, or divorced. What does divorce have to do with your medical information? You know, I don't know. know. Call if something happens. I I don't know. But even sometimes I tell them, I can't even say ex-husband. And Joe always says to me, I'm your ex. And that bugs me that he says that. But I struggle. I struggle with this. And I don't know how to fix it. Can't. But, you know, so I'm seeking, like, I know it's wrong. And, and everybody keeps telling me, like, divorce is so negative. But I see the other side of it that I, to your point, like, I don't just say, oh, yeah, well, it didn't work. I you know 32 years later, it didn't work. And so I'm moving on and I'm having the best of my life now. But I see a difference in myself now. Like, I'm learning and doing things that I've never done. And I don't. I don't know. I can't explain it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I could tell just sitting here that this is not a decision that came just flippantly. You know what I mean? That, it, that you know I mean, it's not like this was something in the making, you know what I mean? For, for a while. Mm-hmm. And it just got to a point where a decision had to be made and you're still not happy with it, but it had to be made. <laughs> I'm not happy with the decision, but I'm happy where I'm at. Like Austin says to me now, I'm a totally different person. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan sees it. Am I a different person? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're different. I think you're. It was just hidden for so long that you're now realizing who you actually really are. Everything that was bottled up and everything was almost hidden inside of you that was never able to come out, and now is surfacing, and you're actually be able to live the way like your life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I feel better because I don't... Somewhere in the Bible, it forgives you. Like you just said, grace. Mm -hmm. And so I said to him, like, I'm going to ask Sam, like, because he's knowledgeable of the Bible, but the Bible says you can't break the covenant, but (laughs) I broke the covenant, so am I doomed or, you know? I I don't think so. And and just for your viewers, you know I mean? As a pastor, you know, I I don't... It's not like I'm advocating for divorce, because I'm not. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? I, I, I wholeheartedly believe... And this is one of the strong reasons why I just can't marry people. And I did that one time and, and we didn't really sit down and have a conversation. And it was one of the, I think it was one of the first or something. And I vowed to, to never do it again. And, and I, I would always, if they can't sit and meet and, and have time spent and we can cover different topics, you know, such as the covenant, you know, mm-hmm. like what it is that you're, that you're agreeing to together um, not just you're not just saying vows to each other because at the end is it, it talks about in front of God and these witnesses so these all these witnesses is very strong and very powerful because that's what a covenant is a covenant was always made in in the face of witnesses so that people can see the promise that was made and and and, and hold you accountable to it and and so I, I so I'm not advocating divorce by any means I think you know, a married couple, you know, obviously if there's some type of abuse involved, obviously separate because I don't advocate for that either. You know what I mean? Like you don't stay in the house and get yeah. beat up. 
you know, obviously get to a safe, get to a safe spot. And, you know, and once everybody's in a safe position and, and everybody feels safe, then, you know, okay, can this be reconciled? Can, is, are you willing to get help? Are you re- willing to seek counsel? And, and after some intense therapy and counseling and, and whatever else, and, and, and you can get back together, that's great. You know what I mean? Like that's what everyone would love to happen. But if, if, if someone refuses to get counseling, obviously you don't want to go back into an abusive relationship and you definitely don't want to go back into a relationship where, you know, one continues to commit adultery time and time again. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, what's the point of that? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, obviously divorce is, is there. You know, I, I think when we look at divorce, because there's people who will, you know, they get married because they feel like it'll make them happy. And the covenant really just doesn't mean anything to them. And they're not happy in the marriage, they'll get a divorce. And then they'll find somebody else, oh, I'm happy again, and get married. And then they're not happy, they get a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we we base this, like, we have taken marriage and, and just created a whole a whole new thing. And if we look at the biblical interpretation of marriage that God has ordained, rather than what we're trying to make it, God's very serious. Jesus says, let no man separate what God has brought together. And, and so what does that mean? That's a very strong, powerful word that, that God has joined together that no man should be able to separate. And, and then you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm divorced. How, how did that happen? You know what I mean? We're also human, right? And we make choices and decisions. And, and that's where Romans 6 comes in, you know, like, like God's grace, you know, God has given grace through, through, through Christ. And, and so there is grace. And, and I think we'd have to remember that. And so anytime we're talking about a subject that has a very negative stigma yeah. <laughs> about it, you know, we have to remember grace. And then we also have to remember Romans six. So I'm gonna read it for your yes, readers just do. so they know this is the apostle Paul. And he has just for, for the last previous few chapters been, been talking about this gift of grace that God has given us for the forgiveness of sin. And, and at some point realized that, oh, wait a minute, I've been talking about grace as if, you know, they just keep on sinning. And then he says in chapter six, very at first one, it says, what shall we say? Then shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He says, by no means, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so grace doesn't give us permission to keep on sinning. And so this whole idea of married, divorce, married, divorce, married, divorce, you know, I mean, that's that's what Paul's talking about. Like, no, we don't have grace for that. You know, obviously, if a person gets married and they get a divorce and then happens to get married again and gets a divorce again, does it mean that they don't get grace for the second marriage? That's not what it's saying. But we have to look at the heart. Right. And then we have to look at the motivation. Why is this happening? And and maybe we should look at that. You know, we like to say root causes these days. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at the root cause of what's going on, because, you know, obviously we can't intentionally keep on sinning because we think grace is going to keep covering us. But grace covers us for the sins that we commit that we don't really want to commit. And that's since not divorce, then that that right there is referencing anything. Mm-hmm. Anything that you do wrong, mm-hmm. 
if you think, okay, well, God forgave me, so I'm going to just do it again, and I'm just going to pray to God, and he's going to forgive me again, because that's what God does. That's what happens. We're always going to be forgiven. People live their life like that sometimes. They do. They do. And and again, you know, I mean, like, we don't know people's hearts. And right. so it, so I would be very careful to judge someone who may seem like they're just sinning because they feel like they can because mm-hmm. grace is going to cover them. Yep. Maybe they're just truly struggling and we don't know it. And they keep making the same mistakes. And we're thinking, oh, they're just sinning because they think they're just covered in grace. Because, I mean, there's, cause there's judgmental people in the mm-hmm. church, right? And we'll say that sometimes <laughs> where people's like, why do they keep doing that? Why? Do they think God's just going to keep forgiving them? <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and in reality, you know what I'm saying? Like, like God is forgiving and God is and God is loving and and God is you know he is just and and he will judge and so we have to keep all of that in in mind you know if if our heart's saying I can do this because God's going to forgive me then then your your motives are are very wrong and then you have to ask yourself the next question well if I think like that do I really believe in the sacrifice Christ made for me Mm -hmm. because he he died so that I can live. And so if he died so that I can live, then then why am I still making this decision thinking that it's okay? And so there's just a bunch of connections that need to be made, and that's called the journey, right? And so so we're on the journey. And, and what I like is when we, profess, when we profess faith in Christ and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives right away. It's called the sanct- sanctification process. And so it's something that it just gets worked out the rest of your life, it'll just keep getting worked out. And, and you'll find very soon that the things that you used to enjoy, you don't enjoy anymore. And God just continues to work that out through the Holy Spirit in you. And so what may appear as someone doing something that is totally wrong and against Scripture, people don't always realize that until the Holy Spirit reveals it to them and, and then they make the change. And so we as, as believers have to be patient in the work of the Holy Spirit rather than when our timing, because it's not about us. It's about when God meets the person for that particular thing that they're doing that God wants to change in them. And so, and that's the whole thing about grace is it's so wonderful and it could be misused at the same time. And, and, and it's not up to us to correct them. We could just pray and ask God, you know, and obviously we hold each other accountable and we say, Hey, you know, you think that's good. And it was like, Oh, don't, you know, mind your business. Mm-hmm. And you were like, okay, Holy spirit. Could you please help them? <laughs> <laughs> they need your help. Right. Cause ultimately the Holy spirit does the sanctification in us. So, and it's hard not to judge, like if they're asking, so that's the right thing, just pray to the, in that case, because in the earlier this podcast, we talked about who do you pray for, they ask you that question. In that case, you're praying to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to guide that person. Yes. So you wouldn't be praying to God or Jesus, the Son, you would be praying to the Holy Spirit to help right. guide. So he's like the guider, yeah. per se. The counselor. The counselor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But we have to remember that it's, it's still all God. Oh, yep. You know, it's, it's, it's one God manifesting himself in three different persons. And it's hard to understand, I know. That and just it, comes with faith, right? It, it comes with faith, you know. And, and again, as you read scripture and pray and meditate, God continues to reveal more, him, more of himself to you. And it's hard to understand and, and wrap your hands around, but if you could understand all of God, then would he really be God? I just wonder why yeah, say that again. Some of the things that we're learning, like we're talking about the, the Trinity, and it's hard to explain, it's hard to understand sometimes. And if 
if we could understand all of God, then would he really be God? I got you. Yeah, I got He's it. more than what we think he is. We, there's no possible way on this on this earth could we ever understand the fullness of God. Okay, so that brings the point gotcha. that you always say. You, you're, you're always like, why do I got to read the Bible? That's just part of him. There's so much more to him than just the Bible. So why would I just I don't, read the Bible? Did I ever question that? I don't know if you question it, but you said said something along those lines that you you always say that God's so much more than the Bible. Yeah. So that okay, that makes sense. That's what you always say. That's just a piece of Him. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I I believe that. I believe there's more to God that we'll never know in this lifetime. I truly believe that too. There's you're never gonna be able to touch or even think about what who like God is or what He created. Like there, He's He's like above. I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah, but this gives us a, a very good reference of who he is and and what he expects of us and, and ask of us. And so we can we can depend on this for, for answers. And I think as we're reading this, you know, he, he reveals more of himself to us through reading his word because this is his word. So you said earlier that the Holy Spirit's the author of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So Everybody that wrote in that Bible, whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, whoever, was guided through the Holy Spirit to put that word on paper. Yes. Because we had that conversation you asked about how did they know what to write. Yeah, because hasn't the Bible be, like, it was rewritten so many times or something? So you had the original manuscripts. So those were the the actual words written through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Then you had scribes. In the Old Testament, you had scribes who would write the Old Testament, and if they would make a mistake, they would have to throw the whole thing out and start over. And so they, they were very particular in, in how it was written, the, you know, that it'd be perfect in, in every sense. I heard that every time they wrote the word god i think they got a new pen or something like that i'm not sure about that i don't know that i don't know i heard that on a podcast i was listening to yeah yeah it could be true i I don't know gotcha i don't know so but when you get to the new testament so you had you had the apostles and some of the other writers who were guided by the holy spirit to write their their version in the bible of the bible that we have today and the old, the New Testament wasn't as particular as the Old Testament. And when they were re, like copying, so that they can keep sending it out, like they wanted the the New Testament to go out to so many people so fast that anybody and everybody was rewriting the the New Testament. So what has been declared now, and what we have through interpretation into English and any other language is that every doctrine, um, theological stance is, is all true. So from the original writing, we're about 98, 99% accurate in, in the original text itself. And so there are, there are slight variations, but n- those variations does not change the doctrine at all that was given to the original writers. So that's why we have different versions. Just different versions, different... Um, None of the doctrine changes per uh, translations, um, just word choices. Because when you, I mean, in any type of translation, when you're going from one 
uh, one language to another, there's going to be variations on the definition yeah. of, of that word. And so when you take a word like love in the Bible, it's the easiest, it's the easiest for me to explain. So when you take love in the Bible and then you go back to the Greek word, it gives you like four different ways that the Bible talks about love. So when you're reading it in context, you have to look at the whole, like what is the author trying to say here to determine which one of the English, out of the English word love, which, which Greek way is he trying to explain? And, and so, and that's interpretation. And so that slight variation doesn't change doctrines, but it could change a little bit of the meaning in that particular verse. Gotcha. Makes sense. But at the end of the day, you can trust what you're reading because no doctrine from the original manuscripts were, 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 were altered or changed through interpretation. Okay. Gotcha. Well, that was interesting. So one more topic if you have time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we talked about this before we Was came Jesus on. single his whole life? Yes. Was he a carpenter? His father was a carpenter, and so he would learn what his earthly father would do in his uh, craftsmanship. Okay. Well, I screwed that I up. I thought that. he was the carpenter, but Joseph was the carpenter. His dad was a carpenter, and so Jesus took after him okay. and, and was a carpenter too. And how old was he when he passed away? Uh, they said 33. Oh, we were wrong on that too. We thought it was like twenty seven or twenty eight. Yeah. Thirty three. It's what it's what is believed okay. that his age was thirty three. Okay. So with all that being said, the topic that we talked about upstairs <laughs> before we came down here, how close in that Bible are we till the end of time? Uh, in your opinion with your knowledge of the book. I, I don't know how close we are. And I wanted to look this up while you guys were sharing. There's a, a pastor that I started listening to um, that he gives a really, really good uh, explanation about what's happening now. Oops, wrong one. I just, I think I know what his name is, but I want to make sure I get it right. So you follow other past pastors as well? Oh my goodness, yes. That's interesting. Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah is his name, and uh, he's doing a uh, a sermon series called a, um, a Cultural Prophecy, and he's explaining the different things that are happening right now, such as like socialism and some other things, and sharing with people how this is the setup of future events to take place like world ending stuff, you know, for the antichrist to come and all of that. And so I would recommend you to listen to that series. I had just, I had just started listening to him, but I, you know, he's a, he's, he's very uh, popular and recognizable and trustworthy. His name sounds familiar. Yeah. Jeremiah is David Jeremiah is his name. Dr. David Jeremiah. So he references all this, all these happenings in the world today. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I mean, we can always say this, right? Each day passes, we're closer. One day closer. Yeah, but I, I don't, I, I don't know, you know how. I mean, the people in the old, you know, that wrote the Bible were thinking that they were close, that Jesus could come back at any time. And, you know, what I like to tell people is, you know, it, it could be today. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And so, are you prepared today, if he were to show up right now? And you know, we, we have a lot of people in the world that just need one more day to think about it and process it and learn. 
and they might not have that day. And so I would encourage anyone who's listening, you know, if you're just waiting for some special thing to happen, you know, that special thing might happen after Christ returns. So it might be best to reconsider and think about looking into it this minute. That's true, because no one's promised tomorrow. No, nobody knows the day and time. We're all sitting here trying to figure it out, but nobody it, knows. And it's funny because you talk about our ancestors, our grandparents, when they're like, oh, this world is terrible. It's not going to last much longer. And then 20 years later, it can't get any worse, and it gets worse. And how many times did anybody ever say to you, because I know they say it, why would you bring a child into this world? They didn't tell me. I've said it. When it's this terrible. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I hear the same things, but I always like what a what a better opportunity we have to share the message of Christ than in such a terrible time as this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's the harvest is, is ripe right now. And there are a lot of people who are searching for something and they don't know what they're searching for. And we have we have the very words of God in our on our, in our hands. And what better way to share that message than right now? with people who are searching and don't know, you know, is, is, and I always look at if, if I could, if I could help one person come to Christ in my lifetime, man, I've, I've done great. But if I could help more, that'd be great too. But one person, if we could just share this message with one person to come to Christ and, and to let them know what Jesus has done for them and how much God loves them and, and wants them to be saved and, and wants to see them in heaven and not perish in hell. You know, and, and that's the message, you know, of, of the church right now is it's it's preaching Christ and what Christ has done. A lot of people look at churches. I'm not going to that judgmental place where they're just going to look at all the wrongs I did. That's not what Christ does. That's not what Christ did. When you read about Christ in, in the Old Testament, people that he confronted about their sin, he never judged them. He never casted a stone at anyone. He simply just said, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. That's what, that's what Christ's message was. He, he's not about condemnation. But there is going to come a time where he's going to come back and he is going to judge. And, and, and where are we going to be at? Are we already going to be taken up or are we going to be standing there waiting to be judged? And I, I had this, I seen this picture. It was, it, it was drawn out, beautiful, you know, a sermon I was watching. And the question in that sermon is, is where are people in the Old Testament when there was no opportunity to go to heaven? And instead of this nice diagram drawn up, you know, of here's people living. And then when they die, their bodies go here, right, in the grave is what we look at, right, in the coffin, in the grave. And then their souls go into a waiting period. This is the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, it says the, Abraham, or the bosom of Abraham is where believers went. And then to Hades is where the non-believers went. And then you have the cross where Jesus came and, and he died and paid for everybody's sin. And so everybody who was in Abraham's bosom, their soul now has been transported, you know, or moved to heaven and, and, and lives with God. And everyone who was in Hades is still in Hades. And then so after Christ, you have people living and it shows people standing and living on the earth and they die. Where does their bodies go? Same place, right? In the coffin, in the ground. But the souls who believe in Christ are going automatically to heaven. The souls who didn't believe in Christ are going to Hades. And they're going to be there waiting for judgment day. And believers think they're not going to be judged, but even believers have to go before the judgment of God. But they're believers, so they're going to go to heaven. But what about the people who who don't believe? They're going to be judged and be sent 
to eternal damnation. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, like, if you have that, if you have love in your heart and you're a believer, how would you not want that person to know where their eternity is going to be? And, and then the question was like, well, I just don't believe in any of that, right? Because you have people out there that say, mm -hmm. I don't believe in any of that. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in heaven, hell, or anything. And I'm just like, well, well, guess what? I said, even if you cover all of this up and you say you don't believe any of this, when you die, your soul is going to go to, to hell. Even if you don't believe in hell, guess what? Your soul is still going there. Whether you want to believe it or not, you're still going there. And there's opportunity for you to make a decision right now today to, to profess faith in Christ and the work that he has done for forgiveness of your sins and have eternal peace with God in heaven forever. Peace. And why wouldn't we want to spread that message? Why are we okay watching people go to hell? We shouldn't be. And we should be spreading Christ's message, his love, his grace, his sacrifice, and, and, and peace that we have through that relationship with him. But how do you explain to somebody who says scientifically there's no God? Like, they don't believe heaven or hell like that. You like, just said. I know. I just don't. I can't comprehend. Like, they don't believe it. I know. You pray for them. So yeah. we have to pray for those people. Yeah. And they're going to be judged someday. Yeah. All those people in hell, are they going to have an opportunity to go? No. They're done. They're done. Just because they didn't believe. Yeah. And you don't believe in purgatory or you do. No. You're either going one place or the other. There's no holding place. Yeah. Purgatory was made up by a certain group for opportunity to gain more money in their church. If you gave a large sum of money, you could lessen your time in purgatory, as they state. I thought we prayed for the people in purgatory so that they could move to heaven. If you don't believe and you die, there's no opportunity. What about the uneducated people? Like babies? The uh, Bible's very clear. The only way to heaven is through Christ Jesus. Babies are automatically saved. Okay. Because... Anyone who is, <laughs> I'm curious why. Anyone who is not in can't cannot make a a Their, decision, like own decision, and 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 do not mm -hmm. does not have proper understanding. What age does that? When they understand. Well, what age? Scientifically, it's proven that the frontal lobes of a person does not fully develop to 23 to 25. But I don't know. I didn't realize it was that. It's mainly in, in males. Man, you're old. Well, you, you not old, but it's I main, mean like, mainly in males. Males, males take longer. Yeah, we take a little. Thank you. <laughs> I was just gonna say. Well, it's because our minds are so creative that <laughs> yeah. it takes a longer for <laughs> that part of. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> I, I, say, I like that. I like that answer. <laughs> no, but it's so. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, I I don't have that definite age mm -hmm. for you. But if we look at, you know, if we're looking at scientifically when. The human brain fully matures at the age of 21, 23, 25. Then you know, one could assume maybe up to that age. But you can't, I mean, you said this in a podcast one might or say, you read it. You don't know until you die. 
So one might say, how do you, how can you Do you want say, to take that chance? How can you say I'm going to hell or heaven if you never died and came back and told me? Uh, one might say. Well, the Bible says the only way to heaven is through Christ Jesus. So it's all faith. It comes down to faith and believing. Mm-hmm. In Christ Jesus. But also at that older age, what was that thing that you said that one time? If you're asking the question... You already are educated on it. So when, when Dylan said, what if they don't know anything about it? Like they don't know about God. If someone's asking you the question or you're asking them, do you believe in God? And they say, no, they have to have some kind of experience or conversation or thought about it. Or else it's, uh, I don't know, right? They would, they, you know what I mean? Yeah. C.S. Lewis gives a very good answer to that. I forget in which book. I think it might be Mere, Mere Christianity. So that'd be a good book to read because he, he gives a really good uh, interpretation around this subject. Yeah, there's so much. It's, it all really comes down to faith, I guess. Yeah. Belief. And belief. Yeah. Do you believe in a trinity? A trinity? Like the God, yeah. Jesus, and the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I put him on the spot. <laughs> he does it to me all the time. I just learned what the Holy Spirit was. Okay. Right I just remember in that one podcast you said, I don't know if I can believe in all that. Because I wasn't. And uh, then we were told if you don't believe that, you don't believe in God. Don't believe in what? The Trinity? Yeah. I don't remember that. What was that? You can't separate them. What was that? That was Todd. They say if you don't believe in all three, you're not going. To what heaven. did he say? Is that They're all said? one. Yeah. How can you believe in two and not the one? They're all one. I, I don't. I think we're maybe, missing context here. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what's going on here. Maybe not everybody believes that there's three. They believe in God, but they don't believe in the Holy Spirit or the Son. They believe in As a one. God. Yeah, now you're talking something different, a higher power. Yeah, you're talking about the whole higher power ordeal. When people <sighs> believe in a doorknob that. or something is there. Yeah, that God. was with Sam. Did I say that? Yes. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I remember saying that. Yeah. Because I still say that. I said, you can't pray to a doorknob. What's a doorknob going to do for you? Turn right. <laughs> or left. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> now, this was interesting. Anything else? Anything for us? Uh, Anything you want the listeners to hear? I mean, it's pretty profound, some of the things that you shared. Yeah. I mean, I. some people get very turned off by these conversations. But I would encourage listeners to, to not be closed-minded and, and not to use a bad experience that you might have had at one point in time in your life as a means of judging the rest of, of the body of Christ. That, you know, when we look at the true church, the church that Christ actually wanted, it was a church that broken people could come to, people who were hurting, people who were lost, people who were hungry, that they would be able to come to. It was, it's like coming to a hospital. And, and that's what a church is. is it's, it's supposed to be a place for, for broken people to come and to find rest and to, and to find healing and, to, and to, find, you know, to find grace and salvation through Christ. And, and so I would just say to the listeners, you know, don't, don't just write it off and, 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 and take one experience or a couple experiences and, and just make a judgment for the rest of your life. And, you know, I, I think the, the power of the gospel is true. And if we would just take the human element out of it and just read the scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit, whether you believe in God or not, ask the Holy Spirit because he can hear you. He just doesn't hear Christians. 
that he can hear you and he will help you to be open and hear and then the Holy Spirit will convict. So that's what I have. Okay. And then just one other thing, because you mentioned that before the podcast, you're getting a website for your church together. Yes. Do you have the name of it or what it's going to be? Yes. Our, our church name is Journey of Faith Church, and we are located in Lancaster City. And our address is 9 Eisenhower Boulevard, Lancaster, PA, 17603. And when are your services until your website's up and running? Uh, our services are every Sunday uh, starting at 10 a.m. to 1130-ish. And, <laughs> and the ish is sometimes the pastor likes to speak a little long. And it's always a good message, though. Okay. I bet it is. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing, coming tonight. Uh, We appreciate it. Thanks for taking time out of your night to come talk to us. Well, I appreciate you guys having me back. Thank you. So, thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. This is Science Single Stigma Podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. See ya.